0: Hello and welcome to Bury the Lead. I'm one of your co-hosts, Winnipeg Free Press columnist Jen Zerati. And I'm your other co-host, Winnipeg Free Press multimedia producer Erin LaVar. And welcome to the show. Today we have a very special guest host for this episode. It is CCMA winning Juno and Polaris Prize nominated country singer-songwriter Lindy Ortega. She performed in Winnipeg at the West End Cultural Center on Saturday night and that's where we recorded this week's episode. So you and I have both been fans of Lindy for a long time.
1: Yes, we have. And we're sharing a mic today, so it's going to be a less overlapping and more passy-passy back and forth. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I'm very excited to chat with her. I haven't interviewed her in a few years, but I uh, interviewed her back when I think when she released like her first like big break album, Little Red Boots, um, and have seen her many times. A little bit about her, she is just... Uh, so she had a busy march. Um, she released her seventh full-length album, Liberty, And that is a three-act concept album inspired by Spaghetti Westerns, the scorework of Ennio Morricone, as well as her Mexican lineage and her new marriage. And she also wrote a very revealing essay for Lenny Letter about her struggles with body dysmorphic disorder and how performing helped her overcome that. So she'll be here to guest host the pod and talk to us about both. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Lindy Ortega. Thank you so much. So how we usually begin the podcast is asking, how are, how we debrief on the week. So how was your week, Lindy? My week was
2: pretty good. I played a show and I did a few phone interviews and prepared for the rest of this tour coming up. And you bought a jacket. And I bought a jacket because I did not prepare for the fact that winter is not over. I know. <laughs> So I only packed a little poncho thinking, oh, that'll get me through. And then I see that there's a snowstorm about to hit the place that I'm going to play next. And I was like, well, I better
0: better get a jacket.
2: <laughs> but I got it on the sale rack.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yes, that's the, that's the best time. Really, t- really, April is the best time to buy a park. Yeah,
2: out. for sure. Because everything's out of season, so it's all on sale. But this was not only on sale, but in the damage rack. But the only damage was that it was missing the snap from the bot- bottom button. So oh, it's barely you damaged. You like it. this button, so you can't even <laughs> can't even tell. Perfect. Yeah, Mark yeah. down from two hundred dollars to forty bucks. I that's mean,
0: that's an incredible deal.
2: I know. I feel, see. Winnipeggers will appreciate that. I feel because, stoked on it. <laughs> yeah, we are
0: a deal people. So yeah, <laughs> how was your week, Aaron? Um, My week was
1: good, except last night we had a bit of a debacle with the pizza delivery man. Mm. Uh, My fiance went down to get the pizza and all of a sudden I hear him screaming at the top of his lungs and he is not like an aggressive person. So I run down the stairs and I find him pulling the pizza guy into our building because there's a man outside, broad daylight, in like a nice neighborhood of town, uh, screaming racial slurs at this East Indian Delivery man, and I had found out that only minutes prior he had tried to carjack him. What? (laughs) And so my my fiance is pulling this guy into the building and screaming at this other angry man to like crawl back from in the hole that he came from, basically. And it was just like the most ridiculous thing that has ever happened when you're trying to get pizza. Why are people so mean? I don't know. It was just the most ridiculous. And then we were all amped up for the rest of the night. We called the cops because we're like, "There's this crazy guy walking around the neighborhood." Yeah. Well, you never know. It was ridiculous. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that is wild. My week was decidedly less wild. I went to I saw Isle of Dogs last night. That is she the uh, Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. Yes. yes. I loved it so much. I highly recommend seeing it. Like, That's cool. I, there, Are I you heard there a was like controversy was it? around it. How did you, did you feel like there was? So I read some criticism of it. I think people were just a little bit mystified as to why it's said in Japan right it's just like why is this randomly said in Japan and one essay I read was talking about how um so the humans that speak Japanese are not translated unless it's like they're an interpreter or if it's on the news and they have someone translating but when the little boy is interacting with the dogs He's untranslated. Okay. And so I think what people were concerned about was sort of the tradition of othering other cultures. So like othering Japanese people and that Mm. kind of thing. But I think what they were trying to do is point out that when dogs and humans communicate, we can't understand dogs. Yeah. So I think the problem that people felt was like, okay, well, the dogs have been translated into English and the boy is not translated. But I think it was just to kind of show how... Humans and dogs right. interact with each other. Um, so yeah, so I I really liked it. I thought it was really charming and great, and kind of just all the messages did of he, loyalty. Did he also
2: do Fantastic Mister Fox? He did. Yes. Yeah, that was another good. Yeah, I that one a and lot. so detailed. Yeah. And you can
0: tell. Like I felt like it was also a really good example. And I haven't read too much about this yet, but I felt it was a really good example of cultural appreciation versus appropriation. Oh right, because yeah. there was you know Japanese writers, Japanese people worked on the show. Like it was very detailed. Like mm-hmm. you could tell that like everything was its place you know what i mean interesting so, but
2: even yeah. still people took issue some people took issue which is it, it just draws a very interesting uh discussion about where is the line for such a thing you know totally absolutely <laughs> absolutely
0: <laughs> all right so i'm gonna actually pass that mic to you because i think you have some questions to you aaron me yeah this is really awkward, actually, having
1: to pass <laughs> this back and forth. Normally, we're seated like the way that we are, and we just go at it for right. thirty-five minutes. So, um, <laughs>
2: it's like you're passing the Olympic torch, it's kind it's of. Good. Yeah. Oh, well, first <laughs> of all, I wanted
1: to ask, how are you enjoying Calgary? You haven't been living there that long, but uh, I've lived there for a
2: year. So I moved there in February of last year, mm-hmm. and I love it. It's such a welcome change for me. Just, I was, you know, I was, I was in Nashville for five years, and I felt like I really enjoyed my experience there, and. I got out of it what I could get out of it, and I don't begrudge it, and I I enjoy going back and visiting, but uh, I needed to get away from an industry city, because mm-hmm. I got a bit tired of the shop talk in between tours For and sure. stuff, and I just wanted to, like, talk about stupid stuff, you know, like, <laughs> I, whatever, just just silly things. I didn't really want to talk about, the, you know, who's who's so-and-so is going somewhere, which manager is what, whatever. So I was just like, you know what, I'm tired of it. And I, I love Calgary, it's just a welcome change for me.
1: Yeah. So the last time that you and I spoke uh, was right after your last EP came out. Um, and you were kind of talking about how it had reignited a passion of writing and music. And then this album came out only, Liberty, yeah. only a year after that. So it was a pretty quick turnaround. Were you kind of like riding the wave of that? Well, it was kind of a, I didn't know how to
2: surf at first, so I wasn't very good at riding the wave, <laughs>
1: but then once we wrote the song
2: Liberty, I was a really good surfer and I totally rode the wave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that was the sort of song that set, set the tone for obviously this whole album being Spaghetti Western. And yeah, yeah. And so before that, I didn't really know what I was doing and I wasn't too like pumped about anything that I was writing. And then when I wrote that song, it was kind of like the aha moment that sort of set everything else in motion.
1: So where did the idea for the Spaghetti Western kind of theme come it from? It mean, came from, from that Liberty, that actual yeah.
2: song. Yeah, because I, we wrote the song me and my friend Bruce Wallace when we were in Nashville, just sat down one day and we weren't hanging out, we weren't even we didn't even have like a write book. We we were just hanging out. And um we picked up a guitar and just started writing the song and immediately I f- heard it as a Spaghetti Western. And then we went to go see the show Cavalia from um, Cirque du Soleil that night. (laughs) And then I became obsessed with horses. And then it just like, you know, thinking about Westerns and horses. And like, I just started thinking, oh my gosh, like I need to make this epic spaghetti Western Mm -hmm. themed um, record. And it it was really inspired by, I guess, the fans because I would talk to them after the shows and they would tell me that some of my songs helped them through dark times in their life. And Mm -hmm. I thought, well... Let's make an entire record about for that purpose, like to serve the purpose of helping somebody through from the dark into the light, sort of the struggle and getting through it.
1: And is this character that's I- that kind of is a through line through this album, is that completely fictional or are there elements of yourself in well, there? Well, the
2: thing is, is it's like the character itself isn't like one said person. Mm-hmm. The, the the actual theme of the album is, is based on just the... the the journey of traversing from the dark into the light. So it's not like, oh, this is about so-and-so named Jane right. who is doing this and now doing this. It's just like it's more about the ideas of, like, here's here's the dark side of the album, the darkness people sort of um, feeling as if they themselves are manifested as the darkness and then um, the struggle and getting through it and traversing it and then coming out victorious in the end and sort of slaying all the demons along the way. Mm -hmm. And then you're free and you're liberated from from those things that are holding you back in life.
1: And was it evident right from the beginning that you would want to include something of your Mexican heritage in this album?
2: Yeah, because when I started to think of Western, I started to think of like, you know, mariachis and like... I don't know, just that vibe seems to crop up a lot in, in sort of Western-themed um, music. So um, yeah, and I listened a lot to like uh, Linda Ronstadt's Canciones de mi Padre mm-hmm. record and um, and a lot of like Mexican ranchero music. And I was like, yeah, this would fit really well with with the spaghetti Western vibe.
1: Did you grow up with that music in your household? Like was A little bit. A My dad, guy?
2: yeah, he was a Latin. He played bass player in a Latin band. Oh, okay. So um, I grew up with that music a bit. But also um, he played a lot of, like, I grew up with, like, Gypsy Kings and stuff like that. And as well as old folk music from Mexico, folk songs.
1: Mm-hmm. And Jen, you want to ask about Lenny Letter stuff, right? I do.
0: I do. I do want to ask about that. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so you wrote an essay in March for yeah, Lenny Letter about um, your struggles with body dysmorphic disorder. Yeah. It was so, we both read it and I was just, I was so, it was so revealing. And so like, I just admired the bravery of it. And it was so <laughs> it was just, it was great. Um, what made you want to open up about that?
2: Well, I felt like I couldn't speak about it before because I I was still very much heavily dealing with it. Right. And I just didn't feel like I was in a position to offer anybody any kind of advice. And I feel like now at this time in my life, I've, um, like I said in the Lenny letter, I'm not cured from it. But I I don't get the depression that I used to get. So, And I think that was the worst part for me was that it would right, just yeah. like ruin my week or my day and like just sort of impose on the quality of my life and I don't feel that that happens anymore like I feel like I do coping mechanisms but I'm not like miserable anymore from it you know so um that was one reason and the other reason was because I this record i thought was it's a record to help people through struggles and if there's any time to sort of bring it out into the open this Mm -hmm. record would be the record to do it with so i just and i just wanted to show people like after like i almost quit music as you mentioned before and i just wanted to show people anybody sort of suffering from any kind of disorder or mental affliction that they don't have to be stifled in their dreams you know or or passions just because they are dealing with something like this and I just wanted to prove that like you know I've I've got my own things that I got to deal with but I'm still able to to do this and if I can do it then maybe you can too and that's the only message I really wanted to get out there
0: I think it's also really interesting because I think I, I think a lot of stigma around mental health issues like we're chipping away at them. Yeah. But I think with this particular one it's interesting because I think people tend to minimize it because it's like, well, it's it's vanity, right? That's it's, absolutely right. And I think so um
2: yeah it was like some crazy number like 2.4 percent of the population suffer yeah. from it or something like that and um it's p- apparently more prevalent than anorexia which w- everybody sort of knows about and it's it's been talked about a lot but yeah i think because people think it's like a vanity thing people are are scared to talk about it and are scared that people are going to sort of see them differently and i think it's um which is that's an ironic thing to say because it's really people that suffer with body dysmorphic disorder see themselves differently than everybody else sees them. So, um, yeah. Um, I, I just think, yeah, th- th- people need to talk about it more because there certainly are a lot of people that are suffering from it. And it's, and it's, uh, it's a really sad disorder because like a lot of people end up committing suicide. It's got a very high suicide rate, mm-hmm. which is horrible. And, um, I think if more people talk about it, less people will feel alone suffering with it. And, um, and it's more than just like, Hey, I feel ugly today. Cause some people, you, you say it to people and they're like, well, we all feel ugly. So like we understand, but it's right. beyond that. It's like it, it actually impacts the quality of your life because it leads to depression, anxiety, panic attacks. So it's more than just, I feel ugly today, but I can get on with my life. It's just, right. it's like debilitating in a lot of ways. And, um, and, and it's not vanity in that, you know, Oh, I want to be beautiful. It's, it's just like actually wanting to feel like you have a semblance of normalcy in your appearance. Right. Cause you don't okay. feel like you look normal. Yeah. You feel like you look deformed or there's something very wrong with <laughs> your appearance right. and you don't look like it. Like other people. like You're kind of alien to the human race in some way.
0: Right. And I think uh, another thing that we wanted to ask you about too is just uh, coupled with the fact that you are a public person. And mm-hmm. so your, your face is in magazines and you're on Instagram and yeah. you perform on stage. I know. And <laughs> I think for famous women I think there's sort of this idea that the culture has that women's bodies are available to comment upon. Mm-hmm. And you know, rank and judge. Like we saw like on the weekend when Cardi B performed on SNL and revealed she was pregnant. Right. And then suddenly there was all these comments about her pregnancy and it being like, well, like you're going to ruin your career now and like blah, 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 because, She's pregnant and she's just like, <laughs> well, I'm just existing as a woman in the world. Yeah, so I'd to ask you about that too. Just like having <laughs> dealing with what you're dealing with, yeah. but then also the fact that you are a public person. Yeah.
2: Um, I, I, I've, it's so much easier for me now than it used to be. Like It was a struggle Which for, is great. for quite, quite a long time. And I was the kind of person that if I saw a picture that somebody took at a show and it showed up online, they posted it and I couldn't like I hated it or it it made me feel like hideous. Mm-hmm. I would like write them and ask them if they would take it down and then after a while it was like so many so many pictures that it was like overwhelming like I couldn't ask everybody and then I just oh kind of God gave God. into it and I was like so it's like I still see pictures that I cringe at but I, I now instead of like letting it ruin my day I just kind of look at it and go eh and then just get over it, you know. Um but yeah, people do pass a lot of judgment and um it's taken me many years to sort of not internalize things that people say, especially because the internet's just full of you know people sitting on their couch and commenting and saying whatever oh God, they yeah. please. <laughs> so yeah, Don't there's
1: we know it, we know
2: that. <laughs> and I've I've had so many yeah like I there's so many been so many weird comments about me. I think the worst comments I ever got though were when I was singing backup for Brandon Flowers, um, and and I was mm. doing like some live television shows with him. Yeah, and then there. there There would be a lot of fans commenting that his fans commenting on my looks and stuff, and it was just like because it was me and this other backup singer who was ten years younger than me, and she was blonde and beautiful and like you know and and tanned and gorgeous, and I was not. And she and she just like I don't know they just compared us all the time, like in the in this com.
1: And I had to stop (sighs) reading the comments, and I was just like, why do you have to compare? Like why do people have to compare people? Also, that's just like the weirdest thing in the world to focus on. Yeah. watching this guy perform like why are you even giving a crap what's happening the <laughs> no offense but like why do people even care what's happening in the I background don't know. i mean I don't they know. do
2: though it's just it's weird but like i really just had to learn to just separate myself from all that and just like uh, uh, the people's opinions that i care about now are the people that i interact with and that i talk to that i know and everybody else it's like well whatever. (laughs) They don't know me. And if they want to hate me because they don't like
0: the way I look, then that's on them. That's nothing to do with me. (laughs) Yeah. That will always say more about someone else than it would ever say about you for sure. And I know that you mentioned this in the essay that you wrote, but, um, just talk a little bit about how music helped you through all of that and and performing and being on stage.
2: It's interesting because, like, a lot of people are like, well, how, if you suffer from this, how can you stand in front of a room full of people who are staring at you? Like, it seems so... You know, contradictory. And I'm just, for me, it's like, well, I mentioned in the Lenny Letter that I was bullied when I was in grade school. And so um, I had a hard time making friends and um, I, I was really bad at socializing and going out and doing things like normal people would in school. So um, when I got on stage for the first time and I played a song that I'd written, um, I, I was just blown away that people clapped, and it was the first time I felt sort of accepted by my peers. Right. And, um, it was, and and then I just realized that that's my way of sort of connecting to people is, be, is, is through music. And I had no before then, I just felt like I couldn't connect to people at all. So um, music is, is just sort of like allow me to open that door and realize that you can have like a human connection. And uh, the other thing I think is just that, um, I, for some reason when I'm on stage, I'm more focused on putting on a good show and making that connection than I am on the negative voices that would otherwise right. overwhelm my brain. So, and I, I don't know what it is. I, I think it's just my love and passion for music overrides my disorder.
0: And I think probably, I think anytime that we're in a performance situation, so like for you, whether it's performing on stage or for us, if we're like writing to deadline, there's really no time to think about anything else. Like you, no. can, you, you, you can't, right? So it's kind of, it's like a sort of a weird mindfulness meditation because it yes. really forces you in the moment. Well, you can't think about other it's totally
2: mindfulness. And I also say that I think it's like exposure therapy in a lot of ways because I used to, as I mentioned in the letter before, um, would uh, spend like four hours getting ready to go somewhere right. and then I would be so frustrated I'd do my makeup like 10 times and like get frustrated that I would just like end up crying on the bathroom floor and canceling my plans and it was just like I never went anywhere I had no life and um and music like for shows and stuff even if I felt ugly or something like I couldn't I couldn't let the people down that came to the show, you know, I was just like, I have to get up there and I have to do this show for them, you know, because it would be terrible to just be like cancel or quit because, you know, so it it gave me that exposure therapy to be able to, you know, get past it and and perform regardless. And now every day, um, I'm able to do it so much easier because of music.
1: reinstating reading watching listening after a couple weeks of other final segments um lindy are you reading watching and or listening anything exciting these days well,
2: the last book I read was uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's uh, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry, mm-hmm. which I thought was really great because I, I I love the idea of astrophysics, but I a lot of the um, scientific jargon kind of goes over my head um, <laughs> as as much That's as fair. I'd love to understand <laughs> it. But um I feel like he does a really great, you know job of explaining all all those sciencey space things in sort of layman's terms to make people that aren't as smart as he is like me (laughs) understand what's going on so i really really enjoyed it and i thought it was kind of funny too there was like funny footnotes um and some of the chapters so that was what what i was reading last um watching uh i've been watching oh yeah uh ozark
1: yeah i'll pass this to jen because she watched ozark
0: you did not watch ozark Oh, my God, it's so good. Yes,
2: I love it. I just, like, I, I love shows that do, you know, f- feature cartels and all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it, and also just seeing Jason Bateman play that character, like, it's he's so. He's so good at it. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. he's awesome. Yeah, I, so I thought all
2: the characters were great. I love Laura Linney, too. I oh, think. yeah, me too. Yeah, she's yeah. awesome.
0: I think this was, uh, like, one of my watching a few episodes ago when I watched it, and I kind of already want to watch it again because it's so good.
2: Yeah, well, they have uh, the second season's coming out on Netflix soon, so
0: yay, so good. Um, yeah. I guess I'll go because I have the microphones in my hand. Um, I'm gonna do reading, so I have been so. Lindy doesn't know this, but I was doing a book challenge last year that went horribly. I was like, I'm going to read a book a week. And then I did not do that. Oh, it's hard to do that. (laughs) So then this, this year I was like, I'm not going to count how many books I've read. And I'm already have read more by this time this year than I did last year. Oh, that's awesome. So I think there's something to that where it's like, if you're not, you know, Trying to make it into boot camp, it's good. Yeah, but I've been kind of on a memoir kick, and I'm in the middle of Cheryl strade's Wild, which I had seen the movie. Starring I Reece saw the movie too. Yeah, super great. Yeah, uh, the book I also highly recommend. It's the movie was very faithful to it, right. but it, uh, yeah, it's just it's just amazing that she spent all that time alone on a trail, like, j- j- like. Honestly, it made me more motivated to like go to the gym. I'm you like, know, what? well, if I she can <laughs> hike a trail, I can do this. Like, I don't think
2: I could do it because I have this like fear of bear attacks. Like I always oh, say God, to my yeah. my husband's from the mountains, and like I he always wants me to go hiking in the mountains with him, and I'm like I'm not going without like a blowtorch and a lighter so I can make fireballs, and I want a sword, <laughs> and I want to wear like a jacket with spikes in it. <laughs> yeah her
0: thing was <laughs> rattlesnakes mostly that she would like almost step on oh. but the bears that she encountered like ran away from her because oh, okay. they're like if they're black bears they're scared of you if they're grizzlies they'll eat you <laughs> that's what that's my that's my knowledge about that's bears. true grizzlies will yeah.
2: and but black bears if they're protecting a mom or a baby will be aggressive yes if you yeah. see
0: baby black bears you get the hell out of wherever you are yeah I
1: always feel like my portion of this segment is like the lowbrow portion <laughs> because I like to watch reality TV and read terrible <laughs> books. But um, I started watching the second season of Series of Unfortunate Events on Netflix. Did you ever read those I books? saw the first season of yeah. it. I thought it was really good. Yeah, so yeah. I read the books when I was in my probably early teens and late teens, and I really enjoyed them. And this, the new series, they, each episode, sorry, every two episodes is one book. So, um, yeah, it's really good. I'm not a huge Neil Patrick Harris fan and he plays sort of the main villain. Oh, okay. Um, and he's making it like a little bit more comedic than it was in the book, but I'm actually not minding it, which is really surprising. Cause normally I can't stand him to be honest. I like the baby. Yeah. So the baby's <laughs> like my favorite character. Yeah. It's like a hyper intelligent <laughs> baby who can like be someone's executive assistant and, and her teeth are like razor blades and she can chew through metal and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, it's pretty, she's pretty awesome. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, what are you working on this week, Jen? to tell you Um, what am I working on oh I'm doing a story working on a story about like Therapy dogs. Um, going to Booth College, so they—that's kind of becoming more of a thing. Like you see it more on like planes now and stuff. People having like their therapy animals, um, but it's exam season for university students, so I oh, think okay. they're trying to get more like get that happening more often and having therapy dogs present because I, I think just a lot of young people are dealing with a lot and kind of further to what we were talking about throughout the show, just a lot of anxiety and pressure too. So it's yeah, really helpful I remember to those days.
2: Yeah, even though they were a hundred years ago, my memory's foggy. Oh, but. I know same. But I was like.
0: <laughs> (laughs) I would have been happier, I feel, if I had, like, a rabbit on my lap the whole time.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I I follow this account on Instagram. It's sort of like Therapy Dogs, but it's called the Positive Change Program. Okay. And it's um, inmates and and dogs that have been abandoned that are up for adoption. And they work with these sort of... um, dogs that don't get adopted because they're a little unruly or whatever and the inmates work with them and apparently it's like changed their lives and it's, it's really cool to like follow Super this
1: cool. account yeah
0: yes I will also follow that what are you working on?
1: Um, I have like 500 phoners next week but no stories if that makes <laughs> any sense just like a lot of interviews but no stories um, oh I talked to DJ Shubb this past week and so that story will be in the paper he's going to be in town nicest guy in the world releasing a new uh, album soon and yeah The guy who left a tribe called Red. That is correct. Yes. Um, Lindy, what are you? You're obviously on tour. Where are you headed next? Minneapolis. Okay. So you're heading right into Mm -hmm. the storm.
2: Yeah. Right into the storm. I don't even know if we're going to make it, but we will try. We will try. And then we get, we do like New York and Chicago and head all the way through there. We go to Nashville and then back to Eastern Ontario. I don't get home till like May 13th. That's a month from now.
1: Well, thank you so much for uh, (laughs) joining us today. We really appreciate you you coming on the pod. And we will see all you other listeners next week. (laughs)